Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi everyone, it's Adam here from DNF1. Just before we begin the podcast, I wanted to quickly share with you some exciting news. For this month, the DNF1 podcast is proudly sponsored by... Manscaped. For the entire month of March, you can get hold of some great Manscaped products like this and plenty more other great products on their website for 20% off and free shipping. Oh my God! Wow! All you have to do is head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code DNF1 to receive 20% off your order and also free shipping too. We loved using Manscaped products and we know that you will too. So make sure to get yours now. Trust us, your balls will thank you. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we like to take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the Formula One world and relay that back to you guys for a bit of healthy discussion and also a bit of banter as well, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course, guys, we haven't got the wonderful, stunning Mr. Courtney Pine with us. However, we've got some friends from across the pond in Ottawa, Canada, no less. We are joined today by the guys Aaron and James from the Wheel to Wheel podcast. Aaron, first of all, hello. Thank you for joining us on the DNF1 podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. The uh, the beautiful weather starting here in uh, Ottawa, Canada. So we're excited. We're excited for one week away from the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix. So thank you for having us, Adam. Super pumped to uh, to join you here today. We've been listening to your podcast uh, for the last little bit, and it's a pleasure to be on today. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, James, no less. Uh, nice to have you on the podcast as well. James, how are you doing? Oh, like Aaron said, it's it's a balmy 13 degrees out today. Basically shorts weather. It's incredible outside. Can't be. Uh, races next week. Couldn't be happier. I'm glad to hear that, actually, because I it's, it's similar weather today in the UK, in London in particular. And I was out in shorts and everyone was giving me funny looks. And I'm like, winter's over, guys. It's nearly April. We've got to kind of embrace it. I mean, it's not as far as the guys up in Scotland usually do it. They usually wear shorts unless it's like minus 50. But with that being said, um, probably less said the better, I suppose. You'd, you'd fit it right in over here. I'm, sh- I'm sure I would, actually. I, I mean, I'm not very good with my French, but uh, I'm sure you guys might be able to teach me a few phrases. No, we're, we are barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing, because I've spoken to quite a few guys from Canada and every single one of them, you know, pardon the stereotype, but everyone seems to assume that most guys know French that are Canadian, but apparently not many of you do, uh, or at least the ones I've spoken to. Well, I, I was going to make a Peaky Blinders joke, so this is that's a good start. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, made, I made the mistake about talking about that, but it's set in Birmingham, so that's a bit different yeah, yeah. to London. But it is true. There's definitely areas where it's either 
people mm. speak it very very well or like us not not, not very well. <laughs> so we try no. but fair enough but uh yeah of course guys we're here to talk about formula one and um of the first thing i think we should talk about for the first couple of minutes if we can is the new drive to survive series that recently aired on netflix if you haven't already seen it guys i definitely recommend it. it's always plenty of good moments of controversy of course if you're an f1 fan more often than not you're going to find yourself complaining about certain things that aren't really accurate to the overall story of the season but of course it makes a lot better tv to see the controversy and um, guys i'm going to ask you first of all um how much of drive to survive have you seen of season three every bit every second yeah wow both, yeah yeah we both took the day on friday and uh watched it from from start to finish so we um if you know our backstory for our the way our podcast started is we all watched uh drive to survive during quarantine when it first started we were didn't really know much about formula one like less than i guess we're coming up on a full year of being like diehard fans now and um so yeah we started with drive to survive season two and then watched back into season one so it's been a huge thing for us so as soon as it came out yeah we took the day and watched all 10. <laughs> well i'm sure netflix would be really glad and of course formula one to hear that newer fans oh, yeah. are coming to the sport and i suppose that's what the documentary is really made for it's of course the hardcore fans are going to enjoy it regardless of whether it's good or not but it's nice that newer fans are coming into the sport and kind of getting an understanding of how it works based off that document so that's really great to hear um i mean i've got to ask you guys is there a particular favorite moment of yours aaron i'll come to you first from this series oh, come to me first i don't want to steal your thunder james but if you i don't know if this is the similar but yeah, go for it uh episode nine was uh titled man on fire and it was all about roman grosjean's um crash and also just the other events of both bahrain grand prix so for me you have the drama and the absolute like heartbreak of the crash and everything that was kind of behind the scenes with that and um that was obviously like bone chilling to have they had an interview with his roman's wife in there as well so very emotional like i almost cried watching it honestly it was really really emotional obviously like watching the grand prix you know that he lived so it was a little easier to watch um but the way they dramatize it was just crazy. Like if you hadn't known about that moment, it was very, very dramatic. So it was definitely got, got the heart racing. And then they move on in the same episode and talk about Checo Perez's first win uh, in the next week at, at the Secure Grand Prix. So for me, no episode was better uh, than that one. So not I won't go too much into detail because I know you have yet to watch it, Adam, but you're going to love it. And I'm sure everyone that uh, was watching that race, those two races, it, it does it justice for sure. Yeah, I mean, just to clarify, guys, to keep up my F1 street cred as best as I can, um, I've seen up to episode six, so I'm fair way into it. But of course, I'll probably be finished it by tomorrow evening or something like that. So apologies for not keeping up with the hardcore, um, but I will make up for that. James, of course, I've got to come to you as well. What is your favorite moment of the series yeah. so far? I definitely enjoyed episode nine. That was probably my favorite episode through and through. But uh, to change it up from Aaron is the Ferrari episode with Seb. Mm. It was it was so interesting to see like how much they were trying to celebrate and then the complete contrast of Seb going like, I'm going to a brand new team on your 1000th Grand Prix, just completely stealing the thunder. And just, I loved how much he just seemed like he was just done with it. You guys asked me, I'm moving on and I'm going to try and take as much as I can on the way out. And it, it, there was a lot of funny little bits too when he was like, speaking with um it was him and charles speaking with uh, like a, a group of fans on the laptop and one of the fans asked charles about joining uh, or like releasing a clothing line and then seb just like straight up told the truth he's like you see this puma logo like he's not allowed to come and s release this stuff we have sponsors like i can't say that but i'm leaving now so i really don't care and it was just little <laughs> things like that i just love seb's little banter and it was incredible to be fair james uh, i'm not gonna lie I mean, that wasn't my ultimate favorite moment. I don't think it, it takes a lot to to beat the sight of Valtteri Bottas's bare ass when he walks into the sauna in episode three. Bottas, virtually Bottas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's going to be one of those podcasts, guys. Um, but that being said, of course, um, Seb Vettel, as a Ferrari fan, I personally felt very saddened hearing the news about Seb Vettel in the manner that it was. I mean, we expected Seb to stay at Ferrari the talks were, well, apparently the talks were ongoing, but it never even got that far. Ferrari had made their mind up that they weren't going to continue with Seb, and, and that's absolutely fine. But 
you know, there's a way to do it. And like you said, James, I really enjoyed, despite the fact it was Ferrari's 1000th Grand Prix at Mugello last season, everyone was enjoying the brand new livery that Ferrari bought to it, uh, the celebrations, the event, the whole event itself that goes into something like that. We've never seen from any other team, of course, Ferrari with their history. And the whole thunder was completely stolen from right underneath them when Seb had announced that he was joining Aston Martin next season. Of course, that was announced by Aston Martin themselves or Racing Point at the time, which was triggered by Sergio Perez announcing that he was not going to be staying. So how the events obviously came to Seb announcing he was leaving Ferrari, we're not sure exactly what the correlation was, but you know, the timing could not have been more perfect as a big F you to Ferrari um, going on. And it kind of culminated in the sad story that was Seb Vettel's uh, championship hopes that Ferrari supposed to emulate the great Michael Schumacher never came to be. But uh, I digress onwards. But no, that's great stuff. So, of course, guys, the main reason why I've got you here for the Bahrain Grand Prix preview. Now, it feels almost surreal now. The winter break is finally coming to an end. We've just had F1 testing at the same venue, no less. Um First things first, guys. Aaron, I'll come to you first on this one. What did you make of testing? Um, did you follow much of it? Did you enjoy it? Um, were there any surprises from anyone in particular? Uh, yeah, I think it was it was super enjoyable. And just to go back to our talk about us coming in as fans of of uh, Strive to Survive, it's, it's one of those things where you either take a deep dive after you watch that super dramatic show like we've done. And that's one of the things I never would have thought ever that I'd be catching myself watching testing winter testing for the upcoming formula one season, but I did watch every single second of it. I got the F1 TV uh, yearly subscription. So I was on for, for um, every second of it. And it was, it was awesome. I think it was interesting for me as a first time watching the, the, the testing and seeing how it kind of works and the, the plans that they're following. Um, and also just that you can't really dig too much into it is kind of one of the hardest things as a newer fan is, you can't dig too, too much into the lap times and stuff like that. But all in all, there was some awesome, awesome um, stuff that we saw uh, from some of the teams. I was really impressed with Yuki Sonoda. I think he was absolutely quick and he was um, that, that car, that Tauri looks really, really reliable. So I think they're one of um, the teams I'm definitely going to be pulling for this year. And Pierre and him, him are very likable drivers. So that was certainly a standout for me um, for the rest of the teams. I know there was a lot of, you know, kinks that are still going to be worked out when it comes to reliability and stuff like that. It was kind of unfortunate seeing Aston Martin going through those reliability issues so early. They had that, that really took that P3 of the constructors away from them last year was their reliability issues. So um, I would like to see Seb do well this year in Aston. So if he can, um, you know, if they can get that car to be a little more reliable, which is something we didn't really see in testing, I think it should be an interesting year for him. But all in all, I think the one thing that stood out was, was Yuki and the Red Bulls and the Towers. They were quick. They were reliable. They looked balanced. And, and uh, it was a really fun watch for, for the testing this year. I mean, it's a good point because Yuki Tsunoda, particularly on day three, where I think the Honda-powered cars really came alive, especially Alfa Tauri, as you mentioned, um, there were so many doubts about Yuki Tsunoda because coming from F2, a lot of promise, a lot of expectation from the Red Bull Honda fan base, if you like. Um, and he almost came into it completely unknown. But towards the end of the season, you had Mick Schumacher and Callum Mylott really stealing the headlines, being the championship contenders. But Yuki really came into his own, impressed a lot of people. And he's really carried that into Formula one test and particularly on the final day i personally think this kid is a potential star i'm not just saying that to pander to the japanese honda fans out there i really do believe that this kid is something special not necessarily tall in stature but certainly tall in talent terms at least um james got to come to you on this one as well anyone in particular in testing that surprised you not necessarily good could be bad as well um nothing really aaron i feel like covered it very very well um the, the one cool scene from that weekend was just that sandstorm that they continued to drive through. That was pretty pretty ridiculous to see, I'm not gonna lie. But um, one thing to, to highlight would have been Mercedes, not looking very Mercedes-like, but again, we were brand, brand new. This is our first year watching it through year in from the start of the season to the end. And one thing that I've seen on Reddit, all of those forums is just don't believe anything. They're, whatever game of possum they're playing, like. Mercedes is going to be Mercedes when they hit the, the ground running this weekend in Bahrain. So I, I don't believe whatever act they're putting on right now. And I think they're just going to come up flying. I mean, that's possible. And, you know, as a, as a fan for so many years of the sport, I don't think I've seen a team 
really get over their woes quite the way that Mercedes do, especially as quickly as they do. Um, I mean, you guys have been fans of the sport for such a short time, um, and yet you seem to know quite a lot about it already, which is always a good thing to hear. Um, but I remember back to 2019, and this one hurts a lot as a Ferrari fan. Often they say it's the hope that kills you, and I feel Red Bull fans may feel this in a way in Bahrain this time next week. Of course, we'll have to wait and see, but I remember testing back in 2019, and in the first week of testing, Ferrari looked incredibly good the car looked solid it looked very good on the bumps it was great in the high to low speed corners uh, and this is when they tested at Catalonia where you got the whole range of testing um, you could test the cars in all types of scenarios not quite like Bahrain but of course we'll get into that and you know after the second test Mercedes upgraded their car to a degree they brought out a b-spec version and it was still not quite on the level of the Ferrari. And everyone thought Ferrari were going to be half a second quicker. I was very optimistic that Ferrari had somehow found a secret ingredient. Of course, that turned out to be the, uh, let's say, slightly illegal engine, um, owing to the controversy that followed. But they ended up fifth and sixth in Australia and looked nowhere near the top team until towards the end of the season. But of course, we knew why. So, as you said, James, with Mercedes, you can never really tell about them until they roll out the car for the first race in Bahrain. I mean, if you're a Red Bull fan right now, you're probably rubbing your hands together thinking Max Verstappen could win the world championship. And we made a predictions video uh, where I actually said, I think Max will win the championship, but I think Mercedes will be constructors champions. And, you know, there's every chance that we'll go to the race this time next week and it's Hamilton first, Bottas second, or vice versa with Verstappen third. Um, As fans of the sport, obviously seeing what you've seen, do you feel as confident perhaps as some other Red Bull fans may be that perhaps they may have finally got a car together in a package with the Honda engine that could at the very least challenge Mercedes on an equal level. Um, James, I'll come to you first on that. I feel like from how they ended last season in Abu Dhabi with that race win from the P like the pole position P one led the whole entire race. Like that is some building blocks to go off of, but to be able to put it together for an entire season, against seven straight time world champions, Mercedes. I just, it's, it's such a tall task to be going up against. And I mean, if there is a year to do it, it would be this one where they have like a a great second driver with Sergio who has 10 years of experience. It's not like the previous two where it's just rookies, basically rookies being thrown into the driver's seat, trying to compare to Max. He like, he has a legitimate teammate where they can sort of try to do some strategies where Sergio can give them an advantage in qualities and maybe actually give them some sort of strats to use both cars instead of just max against the two Mercedes. So it is a potential year. It is um, like it could happen, but like you said, the hopes are, are what kill you. And I, I just, I just don't want any rebel fans to be getting their hopes up. Mercedes is a beast. They'd almost be too scared to get their hopes up. I think as a Ferrari fan, I could probably say to urge on the side of caution um, and Red Bull notoriously have difficulties in translating a good car from the season before to having a good car this season. However, it seems like they might have ironed out those inefficiencies that they had from last season where they had issues with rear end stability, etc. And really allowing Max to get the most out of the car until much later in the season. It seems that they look like they're in that position now where they may actually have it all together. Not to mention with the new regulations may also be playing a favour to high rake cars such as the Red Bull and also the Alpha Tauri as well. Um, Aaron, would you share those same sentiments with James or would you feel perhaps a little bit more confident that Red Bull may have got a car that could compete with Mercedes on equal footing this season? Yeah, I think I would, I would echo a lot of the things that James says. I think one of the, one of the differences I'd say is just like Mercedes has proven themselves. They've been a beast 2020, you know, we're slowly moving towards, I think more competition when it comes to those top two teams, but I don't think we're there quite yet. I think we're still going to see, you know, a lot of these cars are pretty similar to last year. So um, there is a lot of optimism. And I think the biggest call for optimism there is that Checo Perez is in that second seat. They can work on maybe an alternate strategy and get him uh, into the podiums quite more frequently than a lot of the other drivers there. So I think it'll be closer. I still think Mercedes is going to take it this year. I think they're a beast. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is just so good. Um, and Botas is, is again, he's still a talented driver. He's in one of the best cars we've ever seen in formula one. So I think to say they're going to take the, uh, a championship is, is a lot for one year kind of transition. 
but I think in the next three years, we're going to see so much more competition there. So I'm really excited. I think Red Bull is really, really close, as close as they've been. And it's just going to keep getting closer. So uh, there's a lot of other teams too, that I think are getting even closer, which is the most exciting part. I think those other teams, McLaren and um, Alpha Tower, we talked about, they look so good. And to see that midfield start to maybe break up and keep moving up towards that third and second teams uh, in the constructors there. I'm excited to see competition at all levels. I think Red Bull will be more competitive, but all in all, I still think Mercedes will be, be taking it this year. That's no, fair enough. I mean, it's it's good that you've mentioned, um, I mean, some of the other teams as well. Of course, 2022 is going to be a huge year where in a way, everyone kind of starts in an equal playing field. Um, F1 has really never had a set of regulations that's kind of played to everyone being on an equal status. There's always been a case of those that have versus those that don't. And, you know, that's going to be exciting to see. This season in particular, Red Bull and Honda, of course, and now that they're leaving the sport at the end of the season, sort of, um, they've kind of thrown everything at this project at Red Bull for this season. They've brought forward the 2022 engine to 2021. Um, you know, they've made huge upgrades. They're very happy with the progress that they've made on the dyno and also the chassis as well, we should mention at Red Bull. They really do feel they're hitting their targets and they do feel confident that if Mercedes are to find more pace and time, which we expect them to do so, in Red Bull's mind, perhaps at the very least, Mercedes will be level with Red Bull, not necessarily half a second quicker. And everyone's like, where the hell has that come from? Um, before we talk about some of the other teams, you both raised a really good point about Checo, Sergio Perez, um, how significant he's going to be as a number two driver. And over the years, we've seen many teams be successful and the headlines are usually written about the star, whether it be Lewis Hamilton or Michael Schumacher or Sebastian Vettel in particular. But not a lot is said about number two driver and how significant a role they play. Um, Aaron, I'll come to you first on this one. How big a season will this be for Sergio Perez and how much of an impact do you feel he will make at Red Bull? Do you feel it'll be one where he will play the rear gunner to sort of fend off Mercedes or Red Bull can use him for strategy purposes to unsettle Mercedes um, to help Verstappen? Or do you think Perez will have more of a predominant role, perhaps even challenge Verstappen on the odd race and may unsettle the team a little bit, trying to battle for supremacy? Yeah, I think it's going to be super interesting because look at looking at Verstappen first, when this guy finishes a race, we know where he's going to finish. He's going to finish in that top three. He's an elite driver. A lot of people say, James and I have had many, many conversations um, about it that, you know, he's probably the second best driver on the grid uh, behind Lewis Hamilton. And, you know, we'd all love to see him in a Mercedes against Lewis, but <laughs> that'll probably never happen. Um, but I digress. And talking about Checo, it gives him, it gives that whole team options, which is something that I don't think they've seen a lot of there's been so much shakiness when it comes to that second driver. There's not really a reliable um, option there that we've really seen. Like uh, they really stress it a lot in this newest season of drive to survive. The fact that Christian Horner is so, so frustrated with Alex a lot of the time because, you know, he sees a lot of like talent there, but they never really got it to be consistent enough. So I think Checo has proven, especially over the last, a couple seasons last season obviously more than any that he's been consistent um i personally don't think he's going to have too much of an issue like you said that red bull looks a lot more balanced coming into this year i think that's going to be a huge thing for him uh if it's going to be easier to drive that car for max i think hands down it's going to be easier for sergio to transition into that car so i'm super excited gives them options the alternate strategy we know that checo can make love to hard tires he can <laughs> drive those things forever so Right there, I think that gives me enough of a um, confidence to say that we're going to see him on the podium pretty often this year. And uh, if not on the podium, he's going to be in that, you know, top four, top five, most of the time that he finishes races. So I'm super excited. And which is kind of weird to say, because we just talked about how we don't think they have a chance <laughs> against Mercedes, but you're talking to, again, two newer fans that we've just seen so much dominance from Mercedes. I can't put my money on. Oh, I'd love win. to be wrong. I'd I would love, love to, to be wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah, we got to get that out there. <laughs> but yeah. Mercedes is just the safe bet, of course. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, Sergio Perez, I, I love the way that you phrase that, Aaron, making love to the ties, because I, I, I always, you know, we could talk about some weird ways that people might have said in the past about how to drive the cars if you're, I don't know, caressing a woman or something like that. I don't know if that's appropriate or not. Um, but um, it, you've heard that metaphor before, rightly or wrongly. And 
Sergio Perez is very, very good at time management. It's something that Lewis Hamilton is actually very, very good as well. Um, something that a lot of people don't notice. And I think last season really paid dividends. I think if any indication was needed to how good Lewis is with time management, it equally to how Perez was great at Sakir, just watch back the race in Portimao uh, and also Mugello as well. The way that Bottas Turkey. really struggled. Uh, Turkey, yeah, of course. The way Turkey that- was like them till the end. They were both mm. on their last little tread on those those uh, intermediates. I think they were still on intermediates, but they were, yes. Was, yeah. They were head to head there. And that Mercedes pace, I think, pulled Lewis ahead. But that was exactly what you're talking about there. They were just- and, and that was the strategy because if they yeah. decided to pit earlier, then obviously it may have ended up being a Ferrari one too of all things, Mm -hmm. but probably not because Lewis would have had plenty of time to catch him anyway, but I digress. Um, James, I've got to come to you on Perez as well. Um, How big an impact do you feel he will have this season at Red Bull? Yeah, I think over the course of the entire year, he's going to have a massive impact towards the whole strategies that they can provide. And just as a constructors, uh, like as a team standpoint as well, because again, if you look at the standings, it's just, max against the two mercedes like that's what that's what it's been they haven't really had a complete driver lineup i think probably since ricardo left in like 2017 like so now they have a strong driver lineup and if all these improvements on the car are true they have a nice car to go underneath them and i think for sergio it's gonna they're gonna be some growing pains for the first few races of the year I've, i feel like that going from a, a team that he's like he, he literally saved a few seasons ago this family to him going to a brand new team where he's kind of just on a one-year contract and a brand new car, et cetera. There's going to be some growing pains. And I think over probably four or five races, you'll see some inconsistencies, but then again, over the course of the entire season, I think he's going to pay dividends for this rebel team by getting him out of a different team, not promoting anyone who wasn't ready inside their uh, Red Bull program. And I really think he's going to do some great things for that rebel team. And again, I would love to be wrong and say that Mercedes is winning. I would love to see a final race of the year where nothing has been decided. That would be incredible. I think that's what we want, a battle to the end of the championship. We, we sort of had one to a degree in 2017 and maybe more so in 2018, but they obviously fizzled out for different reasons. Mm-hmm. As a Ferrari fan, I prefer not to remember those too fondly. Um, or at least we had a, ju- the battle yeah. for P3 we uh, did, this yeah. season. So we got a little taste of it, but we want that to be number one. The battle mostly has been in the midfield in F1. And if I'm honest, I think I'll make a bold prediction and say that's where the interest is going to be. Um, We'll talk about those in a bit. Um, But I'm going to push you for a prediction now on the Bahrain GP because it seems like we're all agreed it's going to be a battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. So, Aaron, give me your top three. Oh, you're in top three? Okay. Top three, yeah. I'm going to give my little little, um, uh, prediction first on the overall race. So I think... We talked about Checo a lot today. This has been going through my mind a lot. That alternate strategy he's going to be able to give, I think we've seen him be not lackluster on Saturdays, but his qualifying hasn't really been his strength. But Sundays, he's he's a beast. Not to mention the last two races at Bahrain, that circuit, he took his first win and he was in line for a podium before his uh, racing point blew up in the back end. So I think we're going to see him. He'll probably qualify Maybe I'm going to say top five and on that alternate strategy, he's going to nick a podium. So I'm super excited. I think that that'll be my first prediction. So I'll say Perez P3, um, Max P2 and Lewis P1. Controversial. <laughs> depends, not, who, depends who you're asking, to yeah. be honest. Me, I, you know, um, James, I've got to come to you next. Yeah, I'm going to get the boring answers out of the way. I think Lewis is going to win it. Um, and then Max is going to be right behind him. But I'm going to go just for an off the board pick to round up the podium with Lance Stroll. I love his helmet with that Aston Martin. It blends in so nicely. The wings coming off the side. I think he's just going to take that helmet with the confidence it gets and just fly right into a P3. I'm, I'm super excited to see what this team can do. And I think he's just like how Lando came out of the gates last year. I think there's just going to be a shock to start it. And maybe a bunch of reliability issues, whatever the case may be, but I think Lance might come in and scoop up that third. Wow, that is a pretty impressive prediction. I mean, it will certainly be a great race if it comes through, James, but I admire the confidence in Aston Martin. And <laughs> Where's your Canada flag? Where's your Canada flag in the background, James? Come oh. on. <laughs> <laughs> 
So obviously not that confident flying the flag for Lance, yeah. but um, no, do you know what? I, I'm a fan of Lance Stroll, uh, not just saying it for you guys, but I do rate Lance Stroll quite highly. And I feel like in the last year or so, he's really shown his quality. I mean, his junior career is very impressive and, you know, he's won multiple championships in junior careers. And I feel like not a lot of people give him credit, especially the financial backing mm-hmm. that he's had. Of course, you all need financial backing, and it's a lot easier if you already have that rather yeah. than requiring sponsorship. But you don't just get to Formula One having money. Um, the closest probably was Ranga Nathan, but that's a story for a different kind of episode for those of you fans of his work. Not many, but more meme-worthy than anything else. But um, yeah, I mean, my top three in particular... I'm going to be the controversial one here. I've seen the pace from Red Bull. I've run the numbers. I'm that boring with the tyres and everything else. And from what I can gather, if Mercedes are to make that step forward that they need to try and be the top team, if it happens in Bahrain, that's going to be incredible. But I wouldn't rule it out. But I'm going to go with Max to win. I think he's looked very comfortable. That Red Bull's looked very, very strong, very impressive. Even when there were times when, I think when he set one of his fastest times on the third day, he went really wide at turn 11. And he was still able to set a purple sector. He was able to keep it nailed on. And, you know, he just looks so confident right now, Max. He looks very happy in that car. So I'm going to go with Max to win. Going to go with Lewis second. I do think Mercedes are a lot closer to Red Bull than people think. I don't think they're half a second or three quarters of a second off the pace. They're going to be close, but I would say that car is still going to take some time to find out how to get the right balance, how to set it up properly. It's there. I think Mercedes just need to find that ultimate setup um, as they did a few years ago. So I'll go with Lewis second and I'm going to say Checo third. And the reason why I say Checo third, I feel like there's going to be an sh- alternate strategy of some sort, like as you mentioned, Aaron, with uh, Checo. And it's going to uh, force Mercedes to try and cover him off with Bottas, but I don't think that's going to work out as well as they'd like. And I feel like Bottas might struggle with the tyres towards the end of the race. Bahrain is usually a circuit where you kind of differ between a one or two stop race. I f- remember Sebastian Vettel back in 2018 winning the Bahrain Grand Prix going on a one stop when Mercedes thought he would two stop and then Bottas had to chase him down towards the end of the race but he ran out of time um, that was kind of the race where they said he should have gone for that lunge in turn one but he didn't really do it for whatever reason um, so yeah I'm going to go with uh, Max first Lewis second and Checo in third okay so let's talk about Aston Martin guys I know Aaron you mentioned that uh, Aston Martin in testing it was really a bit hard to judge their pace or where they're really at and of course you had high hopes for them James especially having high hopes for your boy Lance Stroll of course um, I mean it's, it's one of those weird ones with Aston Martin because being the old joke with the uh, pink Mercedes from last season at Racing Point of course the center of controversy with the uh, brake ducts issue which of course they were penalized 200,000 pounds per car and of course seven and a half points each were docked off for the championship which ultimately cost them that third place to McLaren in the constructors championship so you know coming from that to this season where a lot of people were expecting them to expand on what they did last season to create a Mercedes-like car if you like but with the Aston Martin identity kind of going forward from what Racing Point were trying to achieve and with that, there was a lot of expectation, not to mention that, as I mentioned already, Lance Stroll really growing into his role at the team and Sebastian Vettel now joining, replacing Sergio Perez. A lot of expectation on Aston Martin to do well. And it was an absolutely stunning looking car, looked fantastic. Wasn't my ultimate favourite, but it's certainly grown on me, I think, uh, on a racetrack rather than in the showroom. Um, Aaron, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Were you a bit surprised? by Aston Martin's shortcomings in testing where they had so many reliability problems that it really restricted them in terms of number of laps, which I think I'm right in saying Sebastian Vettel ended up being the worst prepared driver on in the entire field doing the fewest laps. Yeah, for sure. I, I do have to say the look of it really shocked me when it did get on the track. So I'll agree with you there. One of one of the one of my favorite cars on the grid as well. But shortcomings is the exact way to describe it because not seeing them really get through their programs is, is really unfortunate. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, their reliability issues last year were coupled with those fines and point deductions really did take them out of that, that P3. Uh, they had so many races where they, they were just right there and they ended up, you know, having a, a strong end to the year with that win and dual double podium, uh, not as good in Abu Dhabi, but uh, there's so much uh, going on here this year. There's so much to look forward to. We got, Seb coming in is he the same driver that he was when he won his four world titles that's what everyone's on what is what is on everyone's minds right now because 
you know, the last year at Ferrari was so tough. I don't think he just forgets how to be a world champion and the, he's like a nerd of the sport, this guy. So he's definitely going to come prepared. I'm not too worried. He said as well, he's not too worried that he didn't get too much running in obviously being in a new car, there is a little more, um, uh, reason to be worried, I think, but he's been in this sport, he's been around, he knows how to drive. So I don't think for him, uh, it would be as much of a worry as if he was, you know, a rookie or a newer driver. So I still think he might have a slower start to the year, but all in all, I'm expecting some really big things for Aston Martin. Uh, on our podcast, we did a predictions, uh, our predictions all the way through. And I believe I had them in fourth um, in the constructors. So I think I expect big things of Sebastian this year. We have James and I both have a, a bet in this year that he's going to win a race. So hopefully that comes true, not only for the wallets, but also just because it would be really nice to see uh, Mr. Vettel up on that top step again. I think uh, he's one of the most interested characters in the sport and I'm really excited to see what he can do with our boy Lance Stroll as you mentioned Adam he's he's got so much talent that we're finally being able to see um, with that pole position last year and he was leading races he was he had some really good moments he's also had some really tough moments he's still only 22 which is something a lot of people don't think about I even myself uh, he said he was 22 in the latest drive to survive um season he said it to the camera and i was like for some reason i just didn't i thought he was older than than myself and james like i thought for some reason i thought he was he was older so he's had some moments of learning hopefully he's learned from them over the past couple years i think they're going to be a cool team to watch and they look good out there so hopefully if they can fix those um those issues with reliability we're going to see see some big things yeah absolutely and you know Lance did get some performance running in so there was a reasonable indication that you could get on where Aston Martin were I don't think for a second that despite my prediction where I kind of lowballed them a little bit and put them sort of around uh, I think fifth or sixth um, I can't remember I know I did it last week it was right about fifth or sixth but that midfield is going to be so tight where a tenth of a second here could be the difference between qualifying 13th and fifth it, it's that tight in the midfield and Aston Martin were a team that I had a lot of high expectations for. They had a very good base or foundation of a car from last season. How they come about that, of course, the jokes write themselves almost. Um, I'll leave that to the followers and listeners to decide on that one. But I was worried about the reliability. I was worried about the issues, the, the lack of running that they have done. There's so, such few opportunity to do it now with testing being shortened and condensed the way that it has been this season. It does worry me for Aston Martin that they may, as you said, Aaron, like last season, they were by far the third best team. I think we can all agree, despite McLaren coming third in the championship and deservedly so, if it weren't for, you forget the penalty that they received over the rear brake ducts. If they had the reliability and they didn't lose out on podiums. I mean, we mentioned Checo Perez winning the Sakir race. He had a nailed on third place in Bahrain and he lost that because of an engine failure. Lance Stroll's a few crashes, uh, one particularly at Mugello, you know, issues with the car there. And of course, a few errors here or there. And Perez obviously having issues early in the season and not forgetting he missed two weeks of the season because of COVID and Lance as well missed out on COVID, um, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. If it weren't for those things, racing point, would not be still trying to get that third place. And they'd be very confident with Aston Martin, perhaps looking ahead. Um, with that being said, right now, I'm a bit, I don't know if Vettel is going to struggle. I'm a bit concerned that he might not be fully ready. As you said, Aaron, he's a full-time world champion. He doesn't forget how to drive a Formula One car. And it was clear as day last season as a Ferrari fan that that car just had so many issues with it that it was amazing that Charles Leclerc was able to get the performance out of it that he could. Seb's not really that kind of driver. I think he needs something to really work to his strengths. And so he doesn't have to try and drive around a car's faults. He can just get on with it and deliver the results. Um, James, we, we said a lot on Stroll already. And of course, you're emphatically very confident in his abilities. And I admire that because I, I do think Lance has got it in him. But if we, if I may, let's talk, mention Seb Vettel in the Aston Martin. Um, do you feel that Seb is going to be in a good position to perhaps get the best out of this Aston Martin and we see a return of the old Seb, um, more the Red Bull Seb than the Ferrari one maybe? Or do you feel that his woes may continue for a while yet and perhaps we may see more of the old Seb later on in the season? Yeah, I, I personally think we're going to get that Red Bull Seb back. You, looking into that Drive to Survive episode, how 
things fizzled out with Ferrari. He was just out of it mentally, checked out, ready to move on. And then once he did finally sign that new contract with Aston Martin, you could see that smile come back to him, that little, the jokester that he is on and in the paddock. And he, it really seemed to revitalize him. And I'm pretty sure he signed for term as well. So it's something that he signed on for, for many, many years to come where it's something that he believes in. And I think he's going to come to that first race with a whole bunch of energy ready to go and going to, again, see that four-time uh, world driver champion that we all know and love. It's just like you've mentioned and highlighted, it's just that question mark along the reliability. They, they had put themselves in so many good chances last year, Racing Point, where either they crashed and like literally ended up on their heads once with Stroll having like climb out the side of his car um, or, or it's just the engine completely crapping out on them. So it's, it's, I feel like it's definitely, we're going to be getting a new revitalized Seb and I think he's going to be coming back swinging. I have high hopes on him. I have a few bets on him for this year coming up. So I, I definitely hope like Aaron said for the wallet that he does place well and maybe even gets that one, uh, one race win. So whether it's on merit or if it's a few other, um, drivers constructors uh crapping out that race we'll see but however way he does it i don't think he'll care if he's on the top step no absolutely and, and neither will anybody else with that being said i mean seb is a great guy and has grown to be one of my favorite drivers in the field despite the fact that he's not driving for ferrari this season but you know with that being said it, it would take an amazing race i think if seb was able to get that win and i, I don't think he's far away from being at that level where he can compete for wins but Obviously, it's going to take a lot, I think, with Aston Martin. Reliability is going to be an issue. If they can get on top of that, they've got a pretty sound car underneath them. I don't think anyone can deny that, but fingers crossed for them. Um, we mentioned Ferrari a few times. Let's talk about them. Arguably, the team that not a lot of us really know, like last season, if Ferrari are hiding their true pace or if they are where they've shown in testing. Last season, we ended up, or Ferrari fans in particular, ended up swallowing that bitter pill realizing that the pace that Ferrari showed in testing was in fact the real deal and they weren't hiding their pace this season a lot of expectation and pressure on them to sort of fix the issues with their car where they can of course the limited two-token system really prevented them from overhauling that car but they did a lot of work on it nonetheless and of course the engine issue the engine that brought so much controversy last season following the FIA investigation on fuel flowing uh, and the rules with that this season, of course, they have revamped the engine. They have basically made a brand new one for this season. And they're hoping that it, you know, reaches expectation. They're quite happy with what they've seen so far on the data. The car itself was good, but wasn't spectacular. And perhaps that's what we were looking for in Ferrari. We were hoping for the spectacular. Whether that was realistic or not with the restraints they had, we don't know. But um, James, I'll ask you first. Do you have any confidence that Ferrari could be at minimum fighting for the Kings of the midfield battle, or do you feel that they may still have those struggles that they suffered from last season? Where do you feel Ferrari are going to be this year? It's, it's so hard to say with the performance they gave us last year, it was just tough to see race in race out. It was just head shaking, whatever you want to call it. It was just terrible. And I hope they're not at the bottom of that pack. I really do just for the the sport to see that red car up and competing in races and making it to Q3. Like that seemed like it was a struggle half the time last year. So for, for I think for the sake of just entertainment wise, I surely hope that they are up there, but whether or not it happens, I, I, I have no idea. I'm not a science. I'm not a science major. None of that. I, I couldn't tell you it's, it is a, uh, beats me <laughs> well given what we saw last year neither were many of the mechanics at ferrari with all yeah. the way that drive to survive made them made them out to be a monza i mean that was a painful watch. i mean it was an incredible and i think the euphoria of pierre gasly winning that race in the manner that he did kind of um quietened the woes and stresses that ferrari fans would have had seeing how horrible their t their fortunes changed 12 months following the incredible day that Charles Leclerc did when he won that race in the fashion he did um it was almost surreal as a Ferrari fan I I'd never seen it so bad in my life as a Ferrari fan as long as I've supported them um it was a very dark day indeed Aaron mm -hmm. I've got to ask you as well on Ferrari do you have any indication in your mind as to where Ferrari you expect Ferrari to be or are you 
completely clued out like the rest of us are because I have no idea. Yeah, I, th- I think clued out is, is the perfect way to describe it. But al- also, it's just it's exciting because they don't have those expectations this year. I mean, you as a fan for many years, I guess there is still that like expectation that they're going to be you know at a certain level. But mm. coming off of what we've seen last year, it, you know, like P4 would be an improvement. So if they can make any kind of gains, uh, all the things that I've heard coming out of their camp, uh, Bonato has been super positive when it comes to the power unit and the issues they've had, and they feel like they have a stronger one this year. It's obviously all relative with those other teams, the gains they're going to make. But one thing I will say, go back to your point about drive to survive is the fact that they broke the episodes up. So they covered the Monza Grand Prix from the, you know, the, the depressing Ferrari side of things. They didn't even talk about Pierre's win when they did, when they did mm. that episode, they gave that a whole nother episode, which thank God they did because um that was also one of the best episodes uh in the series because if they would have <laughs> kind of gave you that roller coaster of emotions coming off the ferrari lows and then up to pierre's highs they they, they needed their own episodes so um that was all good but for myself i am i'm a huge carlos Sainz fan i have been ever since i started so i have a place in my heart where i, I want him to do really well and so that made me kind of take a little bit more of an interest, obviously in Ferrari this upcoming season. And I think we can expect a little more. Um, they have so much, obviously history. They have, they're well-funded. They're an absolutely massive organization. So um, they've had a few months here that to develop. And I think we're going to see an improvement, whether that's, you know, one or two spaces up in the constructors. Uh, it's hard to say, who knows we could see them fighting for that p3 and the constructors that would be as james mentioned the absolute dream uh to see that but all in all i think it's just going to be they're going to be more competitive which is exciting we've seen charles's skill he did way more than he ever should have last year and I, i'm sure you were happy about that at least uh adam last year but uh two young drivers there's a lot to be positive about looking forward and it seems everyone in that camp is pretty positive which is good uh, the only other thing I t- I'll mention too about testing is I know we looked at the Alfa Romeo a lot and a lot of their data that they were able to provide. So um, they looked good. They looked good with the power unit. They looked like they were back up in that midfield. So um, I'm sure you were excited to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I-, I think you're right to mention Alfa Romeo because a lot of people were trying to sort of guess what pace Ferrari really had or what they were showing in testing because during the long runs, particularly on day three, Kimi Raikkonen was pretty much on the tail of Charles Leclerc for a lot of it. Over the course of the stint, it was probably a few seconds difference. Um, Some insiders at Ferrari or those related to Alfa Romeo have indicated that both cars were running different power unit settings where the Alfa Romeo was running a higher setting and the Ferrari was running a lower one in the same way that Red Bull were running a lower setting for the Honda power unit compared to the Alfa Tauri. So, If that is true and the Ferrari engine is as good as people say it could be, then that's encouraging signs for when Ferrari do turn up the wick on the engine and really show how many prancing horses are in that car, pun intended. But um, uh, I'm terrible. If anyone has actually listened to these podcasts, I'm absolutely terrible with these. I'm surprised I don't unsubscribe because of how bad I get when I'm in the mood. Um, But yeah, I mean, with Ferrari, Carlos Sainz as well, you've mentioned him as well. He's going to be an important factor this season because I think... Whilst Vettel struggled a lot with his Ferrari, we saw Carlos Sainz in testing at first really have a hard time to get on top of this car. On day three, he really started to show his pace a bit more. I think it's fair to say that despite the intrigue with that battle potentially between Leclerc and Sainz, because it will happen sooner rather than later, it's more likely that it's going to be a while before Carlos Sainz really gets to grips with this new car and team environment. And there's a lot that goes unsaid about how difficult it can be to move across teams, especially with as little prep time as these guys have now. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of works. I'm confident Ferrari will uh, be able to manage it. But sooner rather than later, I think Sainz is really going to battle for some supremacy, knowing that the Mick Schumacher element may also be a factor in years to come. Um, James, what do you make of Carlos Sainz at Ferrari? Do you feel that he's ready for this challenge? And if not, perhaps, do you feel he needs time to sort of bed himself in before he can battle Leclerc? I feel like from last season, he's kind of lucky how they underperformed because it definitely tapers off expectations the ferrari fans can be a bit crazy i'm not calling you crazy but i know from (laughs) what i've seen is that the tofosi can definitely have a very very high hopes for this team 
And considering how terrible they were last year, you can really see how that can kind of like bring lower the expectations and kind of give Carlos like a blank slate. He's not trying to like repeat as a world champion for the constructors or whatever it may be. It's just like improvement. That's basically what they want is to see some sort of improvement. And if they don't, maybe they can just hope for a lot of wet races. We'll see what happens. But that's basically what I'm, I'm saying is that I think he has a very, very good chance of competing. But with Leclerc, how he performed last year, out, outperformed Vettel. Like he, he looked like world-class in that car that they were driving. So it's, it's really, really uh, exciting battle to see coming up. But personally, I think Charles, with his experience and the longevity of his contract, that like he's so comfortable now inside that Ferrari family that I think he's definitely going to be head and shoulders above what Carlos is going to end up doing this season. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And, you know, a mega talent that Charles Leclerc is up there with the likes of Verstappen and even Lewis Hamilton to a degree. There's a lot of pressure on Ferrari. And my colleague, Courtney, often refers to it as a national institution. And it does. It's quite unique in the way that Ferrari kind of transcends the usual Formula One team to being represented by a country rather than an actual fan base. And in some cases, lots of the world kind of add to that on top of Ferrari. So there's a lot of pressure on them to deliver. I'm hopeful, perhaps, as you mentioned, James, not crazy, but probably bordering on the optimistic to perhaps deluded in some regards, but um, every fan base has them. But uh, yeah, let's hope for the best on in their case. Formula One needs Ferrari to do well, um, but we'll see. <laughs> Just pointed to the jersey. <laughs> I, li- I like it. I like it. I think deluded only counts if you make ho- uh, prancing horse puns on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. I, I, to be fair, I, de- I kind of deserve it after that one. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you think that's bad. You wait until I've got in store for the for uh, when I appear on your podcast next week. So, uh, oh, we're excited for it. Well, like race, said, race right? and those puns coming up next weekend. I don't yeah. know how I'm going to sit. Oh, I've got a whole <laughs> repertoire of them for you, James. Just you wait Perfect. and see. And uh, well, you, you introed the podcast by saying that we're here for the banter. So this is. Uh, that's a classic uh, UK term that we love to use here as well. So (laughs) there's not enough banter on this podcast. I feel like that's kind of my fault on this one. Courtney brings a lot of it. So um, it's kind of my job this year to kind of, so any guests that come on, just feel free to rip into it. It's absolutely fine. Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, let's move aside. Of course we, this is an F1 podcast, of course. Um, Let's talk about McLaren uh, before we wrap this up guys. McLaren were arguably the team that had, other than Red Bull, perhaps the most impressive testing. And I think they were very happy with the tests that they did. They got through their programs relatively quickly, despite being one of the fewest, uh, but one of the teams that did the fewest laps. They were very, very happy with that. And the car looked very good, looked very stable. The Mercedes engine, a lot more drivable and a lot more oomph, if you like, really, really brings a lot of smiles to not only the likes of Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris, but McLaren fans everywhere. And we did an episode on this, a couple of days ago, Courtney and I, we were talking about McLaren's prospects and with the budget cap coming in this season and the 2022 regs and the fact that McLaren have got the new Mercedes engine on board with this car and the right management and driver lineup, I had said, be very excited, guys. I remember when McLaren were dominating Formula One, the late 90s, battling away with Ferrari and, of course, into the 2000s as well. I would go out on a limb and say, I think McLaren are very, very close to getting back to that level again. Um, Aaron, what do you make of McLaren's testing and predictions for the Bahrain Grand Prix? Do you feel that they should be as excited as I am for them? Or do you feel that perhaps um, the rest of the midfield will raise their game and that McLaren will be in a clear fight in the midfield again this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I think for me, it goes back to last season and um, what you mentioned to with the testing is they show up and what it appears to me is they show up and as you in the UK say job done they get the job done and they just kind of like do their thing they're they've had a lot of races last year where their strategy is what won they didn't have the pace and they had this amazing strategy with their two drivers with Carlos and Lando that they had some amazing showings where going into the race I was saying to myself you know let's get our drive. Let's get the drivers into the top 10. Let's get those points finishes. And that's what they managed to do all last season. So um, with obviously Carlos leaving and Daniel coming in, we've got a proven race winner, seven time race winner. uh, One of the best drivers on the grid when it comes to having experience, being fast, taking risks. 
Um, and he's just going to show even more to Lando. He's going to show another side of the sport to Lando, I think too. So I think I'm excited to see them, how they work together. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they work their strategies now that they do have like a race winner. So is he kind of going to be the, the, the team leader, the, the first car that they're going to maybe push to get into the podiums, into the race wins, or is it going to be more like last year where there was a lot of, you know, they let the, let Carlos and Lando go out and do some battling on track. There wasn't really a clear one or two. Um, so I'm super excited. I think with the Mercedes power unit in that car, um, like you mentioned, not only for this year, but, you know, I think there'll probably be a little bit of growing pains from that. They're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure out uh, what they do like about it. They've looked really good in testing, but I just think for years to come, as you mentioned, uh, the dominance in the early nineties that we saw was impressive and they've got the driver lineup now. I think Lando is one of the most underrated drivers on the grid, especially looking back. Uh, you know, he's only been in the sport for a couple of years, but he's made some impacts um, with a car that, you know, maybe shouldn't have always been in and around um, the podiums and, and into the points. So I'm super excited. And James and I are <laughs> definitely McLaren fans. So if you're asking yeah. us, we're definitely pulling for it. Um, deluded or not, as you said, <laughs> delusional or not, uh, we are very excited for this season. And I think, um, I'll be honest, I think a slower start is expected. I'm not expecting too, too much. Uh, but as we've said on our podcast, a McLaren race win 2020, that is our, that is my prediction. So at least one race. 2021. Um, sorry, sorry, 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2021. I was going to say that I have to do well. I don't think anyone's that fast in reversing time since Superman. <laughs> the geeks out there but uh nonetheless yeah I, I agree i think mclaren look very very strong testing i think they look very good i think they're actually going to be very quick out the gate i would not be surprised if they I, I mean they probably won't challenge for a podium if red bull and mercedes are as comfortably ahead of everyone else as people think they are but i think the gap is going to be a lot smaller and i think mclaren look like the team at the moment that's going to be leading that midfield charge mm -hmm. they look well poised despite what seemed to be difficulties in trying to you know change things on this new car because let's not forget they had to abandon the use of being able to have the tokens in exchange to accommodate the new mercedes engine in the rear end of the car they really were held back by this change the fa allowed them to do this so they were quite limited in what they could do so you know mclaren overall they look pretty good um as i said they had issues accommodating the engine but they were able to get on top of that quite quickly and it does sound really really promising and um, james i'm going to come to you as well um, do you echo Aaron's thoughts on McLaren? Do you feel that they could do very well this season um, or perhaps even better, maybe get a win or two? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. As Aaron said, McLaren was the team that we adopted when we first started. We, we had a blank slate. We could have picked any team. We, uh, I saw when Ricardo signed, that was, that was, that was the, the final nail in the coffin. I, I, we needed to join McLaren's side of it all. It was just the perfect uh marriage there was like a, a team that wasn't quite at the top on a nice trajectory with Daniel Ricardo just perfect anyways but besides that point um I think like their their lineup improved and the, like you said the Mercedes engine having that um come back into play I, I think they had them in the past before for a long long period of time so maybe they can get some more synergies out of that and um last year they had like an extremely fast start. I don't know if they're going to have quite the same as all those little tweaks that you've mentioned to fit in that new Mercedes engine, Adam. But I definitely think that this year they're going to be the bona fide third without all the struggles that Racing Point now Aston Martin had last year. Like I, I believe that they're going to be doing it strictly off their speed and not from the misfortunes of what. Uh, racing point had to go through last season so like i have really really high hopes with the improved lineup and of course i mean this might not be the most objective answer considering that we are the fans of uh mclaren now but uh yeah i definitely think they can have some competition whether they go and give red bull and mercedes a little run for their money that's a conversation for another day but for now i'm like in p3 i'm uh, that's where i'm having them slotted in yeah no i think that's a fair point and you know you mentioned the engine of course they'll be running the same engine that aston martin will so there's no excuses in terms of renault power unit versus mercedes power unit they're now going to be an equal playing field which is only going to be a huge advantage to them um so i i'm very confident i i think mclaren are going to do well ricardo looks very well poised and there looks quite happy there lando norris i'm expecting another good season from him hopefully 
be a bit more like Ricardo in you can keep that bromance that camaraderie that he had with Carlos Sainz but as soon as the helmet goes on and the visor goes down you're all about business and that's one of Ricardo's mm. best strengths so I hope Lando really learns that from me. I think it's going to be a good experience perhaps to be a bit more mature behind the wheel but that's a very probably a harsh criticism of Lando I think he's been good so far yeah, um, yeah. and that definitely is a yeah. great mentor for Lando to come up is mm. I know him and Carlos were like similar in age so having Daniel who's been in the sport 10 years now is can definitely do some wonders for him absolutely and as Daniel said I think he believes that this is his best chance to win a world championship and I think I absolutely agree I, I think it definitely could be considering that this is a team that he rejected a few years ago that promised him all of these managerial structure changes design changes on the car uh, personnel performance and everything else they, they've delivered that now but now they've got to take that final step into becoming a front-running team. And I feel that that could be literally a year or two away, or maybe next season, depending on what happens with the rules next season. Um, the final thing before we wrap this up, actually, um, let's mention Fernando Alonso returning with LP. Now, Esteban Ocon last season was okay, grew into it towards the end of last season. Going to be a lot of pressure on him to deliver, but he may be in a position where, with Pierre Gasly potentially looking for a drive next season, that Ocon may have to really pull his socks out in order to deliver uh, and stay in that seat next season. Um, but let's talk about Fernando, of course. How excited are you guys to see the two-time world champion, Fernando Alonso, back in Formula One? And also, do you feel that Fernando, as we saw hints of in testing, will be able to show the performance that Fernando had when he just before he left? Or do you feel that perhaps it might be similar to Michael Schumacher, where there are moments of uh, good driving? and brilliance like the old days but not quite the level we were hoping for James I'll come to you first on that yeah it, it's kind of tough for us you might be oh you would be a much better expert considering that you've seen him drive in the past like we haven't seen him drive live I think he was doing IndyCar last year so and to do he'll do a lot better than that I will say that much because he didn't even qualify for it last year didn't he so yeah, yeah yeah so and like the comparison to Schumacher I'm pretty sure the the span of time between when he left and came back was much greater. So maybe he has a little bit of, I don't know, just little consistencies or a little muscle memory back in the car. But um, yeah, we haven't seen him. I don't really know what to expect from him. He's quite old. I think he would be the oldest driver, either him or Kimmy at this point. But, um, and so like in terms of expectations, not much, but I am excited to see some, some like there was one thing I remember seeing was, Kimmy and Fernando both raced with Mick's father, which is uh, Mick and Max's fathers, which is just crazy stat to consider how long they have been in this sport and providing results. So if he has the men like the mental state and if he's still good physically, I, I don't see why he couldn't give the same results that he has done in the past. Maybe not quite a two world championship, but maybe he can give uh, some good results some weekends. Yeah, I don't think Alpine will have the car to provide that this season, but he's banking on next season when the equaliser of the new rules will really play effect and that'll be Alpine's best chance. Um, how about you, Aaron? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. One of the things I always think about when I look at Fernando Alonso coming back is at the end of the day, what we want in Formula One is the best drivers in the world in these 20 seats. And you can't argue with the fact that this guy is one of the best drivers out of formula one car, you know, two-time world champion and been around the sport for a long time. So you can't deny that there's going to be uh, a lot of knowledge that he brings to the team. Um, we'll see if his pace is still there. I, I don't see why, why not the testing uh, was did went very well for him considering his injury uh, that happened to him a couple months ago or last month. And um, I think expectation wise, it's really hard. I personally think that Ocon is going to pull his socks up this year. I think we're starting to see some confidence um, building with him, especially towards the end of last season. So I'm expecting big things from uh, Esteban and James and I both in our predictions for this season actually have Esteban Ocon finishing higher in the uh, standings than, than his uh, world championship teammate, Fernando. So Again, that could be just a little bit of us not actually knowing because we haven't seen him race live or we're a excited. lot of it. Or, or a lot of it. Yeah, could be. But um, we like to think we know a little bit about the sport, but we can't be too confident here. Um, <laughs> but all in all, I'm just super excited to see him uh, see him come back because, like I said, we want to see the 20 best drivers in the world in their in those cars. And you can't deny that he's going to be one of them. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're in for a treat with Fernando. He's definitely box office on and off the track. So definitely look forward to seeing how that goes. And in a way, Ocon may have to beat Fernando this year in order to keep his seat with all of the rumours going around the paddock. Um, But I think that's all we've got time for, guys. So, you know, first of all, thank you so much, both of you, uh, for joining us on this podcast. It's been a real pleasure having you on and definitely a great discussion as well. Certainly enjoyed that. Um, Guys, of course, if you want to check out Aaron and James on the Wheel to Wheel podcast. I will leave a link in the description below to check out their channel on YouTube, but of course, check out their podcast on Spotify as well. It's a really good listen and uh, you certainly won't regret following them on social media as well. But of course, guys, don't forget as well, for the month of March, we are sponsored by Manscaped. So make sure to use the promo code DNF1 to get 20% off plus free shipping on your order. You will not regret it. I can guarantee you, as they say, your balls will thank you. Um, and that's not a, one of my puns. That's one of their puns, guys. So, uh, you have to thank them for that. But uh, as always, guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, make sure to like the video and also subscribe to the DNF1 channel and also follow us on social media too. But until then, guys, this time next week, we are going to be underway for the season. So cannot wait. It's absolutely going to be a barnstormer one. But until then, guys, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Network.